Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Josh De La Rosa, and so far we've been in this series of messages called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and we've been looking in the Bible at Jesus' call, uh, really challenge for us to love our neighbors. And we began by looking at the story in the Bible of the Good Samaritan and really tried to zero in on some practical ways to love our actual neighbors, the people who actually live around us. And we're considering that God has specifically placed us right where he has, in the homes we're living in, in the buildings, in the communities that we're in. This is not an accident. It's on purpose. And so he wants us to learn how to love our neighbors. So we've been laying out some real practical steps and even trying to highlight some of the examples in the congregation of people who are loving their neighbors and, and working to get to know people, learn names, praying for people, serving people. And so I'm really glad you've joined us as we bring this series to a close and wrap things up. Now today I want to talk about how the greatest expression of loving our neighbors is actually introducing them to the God who loves them. That's probably the best thing that we can do. This is the ultimate demonstration of love for our neighbors. And so as tempting as it is to just maybe rely on church gatherings or rely on pastors to handle all of the sharing of our faith with others, if you're a Christ follower, there's really no need to wait for us as pastors to share the, the message of Jesus. It's something that you can share every day. And so I hope that this will continue to equip you to do that. Uh, but I'll admit it, sharing our faith, it can be a pretty daunting experience. And so for some people, it's just a real terrifying <laughs> maybe even thought to consider this. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It reads this, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now another translation of this same verse, it reads this, If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. You know, you can't explain your hope, as Peter describes it, without using words. You have to use words. It's not enough to just be good people in this culture. It's not enough just to say, I like my neighbors, or I love them, you know, in my heart. But actually, God leads us to go beyond just even actions to begin to be people who witness uh, with our words, not just our lives. This is actually the centerpiece of what Jesus is trying to do through the church he actually has called us, his followers, to be his witnesses. Look at what Jesus said right before he went back into heaven. Acts 1.8, it reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now that word witnesses there, uh, what does that mean? It doesn't mean a prosecuting attorney. It doesn't mean a judge, uh, a judge that, that rules in the court. But really a faithful witness who speaks up uh, whenever we're given the opportunity. That's what we're to do, to speak up and to share about our faith. Now, a fully functioning church, it draws respect from the world around us and also begins to see an increase in the number of people who choose to follow Jesus. So we're called to be this, witnesses uh, to the ends of the earth. And, you know, that passage, it lays out that it sort of starts right in your region and it works its way outward. They were in Jerusalem, so starting there, but then beginning to penetrate uh, the area, the region they're in, the, the, the country, and onto the ends of the earth. And we're to look at this in the same way. We've got to start where we're at. And so I really want to give us three components of our being witnesses. Here's the first one. We're to bring others. 
Uh, there's a man in the Bible named Andrew, and Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Take a look at John 1, verses 40 and on. It says, one of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. So bringing people to Jesus. There's another example in the Bible. A man named Philip brought his friend Nathaniel. Here's the verse from John just a little bit later in John 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael. So basically, Philip brings Nathanael to Jesus and he begins to investigate. Now, this action of bringing others is something that we all can do. In fact, and something that really encourages my heart is that... uh, Our congregation is full of people who actually invite others to come around. They bring people to know Jesus. They bring people to to share their faith or to share our church life with others. Uh, But one of the main challenges we've had in this season is that our entire church calendar of events and and gatherings has now been pretty much put on hold. Uh, Typically, you know, this year would have looked, it seemed like, pretty different than what we've experienced. We had a huge Easter celebration planned, picnics softball tournaments, rec groups, men's and women, face-to-face gatherings. Uh, These events are all there for us to bring curious friends, curious neighbors, family members, co-workers. Now, still, so many of you are actually bringing others along in your faith journey, even through all the coronavirus pandemic. You've been inviting people. You've been bringing people to take part in socially distant watch parties, uh, where you're watching the service in, on Sunday mornings. Uh, and I've heard of people who are just getting creative right now, trying to have outdoor gatherings rather than inside. But you know, make no mistake, right now, many people around us are seeking answers to life's deeper questions. And so consider this first aspect of being a witness. How, how can you witness through bringing others to hear about Christ? Now, another major component of being a witness is we show others. We show others by the way that we relate to one another. Our our unity and our love for one another, it really is to show others just how real Jesus is. Take a look at what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. It reads, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So as people come around your life and even come around our church and our relationships within our church family and begin to explore life in Christ, they start interacting with people in our church. And the hope is that the way that we relate amongst one another, it draws, it can draw people in to even uh, begin to consider Christianity because maybe they would see the difference in the way that we relate to one another, the way that we love one another and care for one another and are unified with one another. Also, we really aim to consider our guests. So people that come, we trust that God is bringing them for a purpose. And so we want people to feel like they can investigate and and find a safe space to do that here at OCC as they're exploring Christianity. This is a powerful uh, aspect of being a witness, is showing the love of God uh, to the world that is watching. In college, I really remember the very first time I was really struck with this concept of loving others is when I began to see a different kind of love 
among my peers. Uh, I was used to locker room talk. I was used to dugout talk. Uh, but this talk amongst Christians was very, very different. Now, I'd been around a lot of Christians all my life, but I hadn't been around too many who were my age that took their faith seriously. And when I did, once I was around some people that took their relationship with Jesus seriously and had yielded to him as the boss of their life, I started seeing that difference, and I wanted some of that. It was, it was intriguing. It made me more curious. And so consider, what, you know, in what ways can you show others, and that is part of being a witness. One other aspect, component of being a witness is to tell others. This is where we actually speak up, and we start declaring the message when we have opportunity. And so look at Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul, he wrote this. He wrote, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul is, he is saying farewell. This is part of a farewell speech that was recorded. He's saying goodbye to a church as he's, uh, as he's passing through their region. And this would be the last time he'd spend time in that city with, those, uh, with that church. And he's just saying, my, my whole life has been, if not for sharing my faith, it wouldn't be worth it. He's saying, this is the most important thing to me. Uh, I consider this the most important thing in my life, Paul was saying. Now, a real challenge may be, how, how do you and I, how do we sort of turn the corner towards a spiritual conversation when you're interacting with a neighbor, someone who lives near you? How do you, how do you sort of nudge the conversation or pivot the conversation towards spiritual things? Uh, I try to remember an acrostic with basically four types of questions. The acrostic is four, and here is what it stands for. Four stands for family, occupation, upbringing, and religious background. So there's these four uh, basically types of questions to, to begin to nudge towards a spiritual conversation. It looks like this. Family, uh, as you're interacting with someone, so you know, do you have any siblings? Uh, are you, how long have you been married, if you know they're married? Or do you have any children? What ages are they? Uh, and you're just sort of exploring more about the person's life as you're getting to know them. And the reason this is important, because sometimes you, you meet someone, you say, hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good, great, and you're on your way. You just sort of are passing. And so what this does is it actually gives you something to uh, focus on in the conversation. So begin to learn about them and their family. And then the second aspect of this acrostic is occupation. And this is a natural place to go in a conversation. Uh, maybe you follow up the family questions with, hey, what kind of work do you do? Or how long have you been an electrician or a plumber? Uh, or if they're a student, you might ask, Hey, what, why did you decide to become a student at, at UCR or RCC or CBU or Cal State? What, what, you know, what, what do you decide to study there or what are you studying? What's your major? And you're just, again, this is just helping the conversation. Think occupation or students think about what major, what program are they in? What career are they heading towards? And then the U in the acrostic stands for upbringing. You know, where, where did you grow up? Are you from here? If you're a college student, a lot of college students travel into our town uh, from other cities. And so where are you from? Uh, and maybe ask some questions about where they grew up and what they enjoyed about growing up there. Or if they're in, you know, in, in the sciences, have you always been interested in, in medicine? Or maybe they're a, uh, they you know, want to be a teacher. And so 
you know, have you always been interested in math or, or English or if they're, if they're an athlete, you know, you know, have you always sort of been involved in athletics growing up? And again, you're just wanting to learn about them. And what I try to do in conversations, I try to connect with answers they're sharing. So if I've been to the town they grew up in or if I played that sport or if I'm interested in that as well, or if I know somebody else um, who's interested in, in what, you know, wh where they grew up or uh, their profession, then I try to make connections. And if possible, I even connect uh, that friends of mine from church are, are, uh, are in that same profession or they're studying the same, in that same program. And by doing that, I'm identifying that I'm a Christian. So anytime I say a buddy of mine from church or a family from our church, I'm identifying that I'm a Christ follower. And that's really helpful. It lets people know there's, there's a value that I hold in my life uh, of, of God and, and, and growing my faith. And so uh, that may right there be enough of a nudge even to say that where they may ask you, oh, you go to church. Where do you go to church? Or or you may recognize maybe they're not tracking with you, and so in that uh, in where that conversation is leading. But then this next uh, letter R stands for a religious background, and again this is part of that pivot. You start turning towards a spiritual conversation. So if they grew up in let's say Redlands, hey, did you grow up? Uh, you know, you grew up in Redlands. Did you grow up going to church there in Redlands? Or hey, what's your what's your religious background? And I try to just turn a corner to find out where where they grew up and did they practice any kind of faith or did their family practice the faith while they were growing up? And then if they say that they did, yeah, I went to this or that church, then I ask a little more probing question like, hey, while going to, let's say, First Baptist Church of Redlands, did you ever come to the point where you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the boss of your life? Or would you say you're still in the process of, of considering that decision? And I like to ask that question because... It, it helps me gauge whether or not a person has yielded to Jesus as the boss. And I also like giving that uh, the opportunity for a person to say that they, they're still thinking about it or they're still considering it. That way the person is not just a yes or no question. It really is open-ended. So you get to hear more about where that person is at spiritually. And if, if they say, you know, I don't think I've ever done that, or I'm still thinking that through. I'm still considering what it would mean to, 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 to have a relationship with Jesus. Then I'll follow that up with another question. And the question is, do you know what the Bible says it means to commit your life to Jesus as the boss? And from there, if they do, then, you know, we might talk about that. Or if they don't, I just say, would you like me to share with you what the Bible says it means to be a Christian? And I'll, I'll define it for them uh, from the Bible. But these questions really have helped many people in our church um, pivot in a conversation to a spiritual conversation because it's pretty difficult to just uh, uh, just assume that it's just going to naturally lead there. And so these are some ways to begin to uh, you know, nudge the conversation along to find out where a person's at spiritually. And with all of these, it's really important to remember to team with others, whether it's your roommates or friends, or those in your household, or, or maybe even other families. Uh, most of what we see in the New Testament involves teams of people. So Jesus would send out people in pairs or in groups uh, to share about him with, with new towns and new villages. And so we try to team together uh, to share our faith. And so consider, how can I maybe take one step further in the way that I team with others? Hey, I want to shift gears and I want to talk about the state of our church and really just give you an update of, of 
our reopening plans. And, and so I was hoping to really by now give more of a firm date from the city regarding some possible reopening dates uh, for our church at the Orange Cherish Community Center where we typically meet. Uh, but uh, sadly, there's nothing new to report. Uh, we know it's really on the city's radar. They are, they've received our plans. They know that our church, along with any other churches that rent property from the, uh, from the city, are awaiting a return. Uh, so we've submitted our plans, and then they have sent us their pre- preliminary requirements uh, that we've been looking over, and we've been kind of going back and forth in conversation. Uh, but the city council has uh, needs to still weigh in on uh, the the reopening of community centers for churches. And so we were hoping for a July return, uh, but now it seems fairly unlikely based on our most recent conversation, and especially in light of how here in California it now seems like we're maybe shutting some sectors back down. And so I know that many of us were watching the news to see uh, what, you know, what is shifting from week to week. But, you know, as a church who rents property, uh, we have little control over when the city will grant us permission to meet again at the community center. And so uh, some churches that have property, you probably know this, they have begun reopening. Not all of them, but some have begun gathering again under pretty restrictive conditions. Uh, but you should also know there's, there's a lot of churches that are choosing not yet to reopen. Uh, some of them because they want to just continue limiting the people's exposure to the coronavirus. Some because the restrictions of gathering again are beyond what they can do or what they want to ask their people to uh, do and implement. Uh, you might have friends that have just recently begun regathering. And so uh, you might be wondering, what's, what's the scoop for OCC? What about us as a church? What is it going to look like for us in the future even? So I want to take you back a little bit. Last year, uh, we discussed four advanced initiatives that we want to focus on over the next 10 years here at OCC. One of them was to secure property for our church's future home. Uh, We didn't do this because we foresaw a worldwide pandemic. Uh, We didn't think anything was going to be shutting down like it has, but we knew that as a church who rents property and doesn't own, at that point, we were really vulnerable at our size if we didn't have our own facility. And so churches that have property and have facilities now are able to reopen them. They, you know, they are receiving the CDC guidelines and the government recommendations. And so those churches with property, they really have the choice right now on when they want to reopen. But for us, we're extremely limited. But I want to remind you, praise God, back in January of this year, we became owners of this property. Here's a picture of the uh, community or the uh, the former Riverside Swim and Tennis Center that we purchased, and uh, this is something that was really a major God thing. I mean, many of you had given for over a year in faith that God was preparing for our church a future home, and when we entered escrow, we had about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars saved up towards a down payment, and then that property on Glen Haven it dropped about a half million dollars in a day. It was last summer, and we hopped on the opportunity. We submitted an offer, and our offer, our real estate offer, was accepted by the seller. Uh, We began, or we entered into a six-month escrow period, and with the help of God, (laughs) we saw around $460,000 given in around a 90-day period so that we were able to cover the down payment. So added to what we had saved, $350 and $460 more, that was enough to finalize the purchase and to... uh, 
to now be the owners of that property. And so it's been pretty exciting for us as a church. That was, if you just remember, that was this year. It seems like it's been an eternity ago, but that was only in January when we closed the sale of that property. Uh, and since then, we also, after we purchased it, we began a capital campaign called Advance Horizontal, where another $643,000 was committed in the capital campaign. And, and so people have been steadily giving their pledges towards that effort. And so when we total up all that has been given and what has been pledged, here's the amount. It's $1,451,192 total given and pledged. It's amazing. It is, <laughs> praise God. This speaks to the goodness of God and the commitment of our church family, you. It's been so encouraging that so many of you would want to make a spiritual investment that can pass beyond our lives to the next generation. So praise God for what he has done in our church. We're still celebrating this major victory of what God has been doing. So right now, just so you know, we're in the process with the city of Riverside to get uh, the proper entitlements now to operate as a church on that property. So we've been working all year since uh, since closing escrow uh, to secure what is called a conditional use permit, uh, which allows a church to operate as a church in an area that's zoned for residential. So that is residential zone, and so the church has to uh, apply for this special permit that allows us to meet there as a church. And so... We continue to make progress towards securing our conditional use permit. Even just this past week, we had another solid meeting with the, the heads of the city departments. And Lord willing, you can pray that all of this would wrap up in November. It looks like that is uh, highly probable that we'll be done with our permit by November, at which point we could begin to use the property however we see fit. Now, there's limitations because there's just two buildings on it, so we won't be able to have our primary worship there. But we can get really creative if we really needed to. And so once we gain that permit, the next step is to begin renovation of our phase one of a four-phase plan to develop this property over the next decade. And so uh, things are moving forward. Thank you for faithfully giving. Thank you for those of you that have been involved in cleanup efforts to uh, begin to just trim back a lot of the growth there on the property. Uh, but, but really, let's shift back to reopening as a church. This whole reopening discussion has really been on our minds since March the 15th. The day that we stopped meeting together, we began to think about what would it look like for us to begin to regather and how can we be ready for that? So I want to give you an update on really our approach and our thinking. Now, we don't know the date yet, but there's a few things we want you to know. First, we want to meet again. Uh, this may be a question you have in your mind. I wonder if the church does want to meet again, or I wonder if we're just going to stay online forever. You know, maybe this is a direction we're moving in. Maybe that's a question you have, but I want to just reassure you. We want to meet again face to face. I hope you know that. And our sense is that many of you want to meet again as well. Uh, but some people are not ready to meet again. And, and that's totally okay. In fact, it appears that the coronavirus cases and hospitalizations are beginning to tick up again. Uh, it's it, Good news is deaths are not going up. It seems like deaths are actually reducing and but we're monitoring the numbers, we're listening to any new guidelines, and certainly we don't want to be a part of making the situation worse. Uh, so we're going to continue to offer this platform, our online church, the occhurchathome.com, uh, even after we decide to meet again. This is going to be a stable platform that you'll be able to uh, watch, tell your friends and family about. But we really do need your help as we continue planning to reopen 
in a physical space. And so we're asking you to complete a reopening survey. Uh, this is going to help all of our planning as we hear back from you. We want to have a real clear sense of how many people uh, we should plan to be in attendance under uh, new restrictions. And so this, is, this uh, survey and the results will have a big impact on the number of services that we need to create. And so today uh, you're going to be receiving an, an email and attached to that email will be a link to an important reopening survey. And so that's the first thing we want you to know. We do want to reopen. Second, we, we have a plan. So we have a reopening plan. And as I mentioned earlier, we're still working with the city of Riverside on the final details. And really, they need to give us the green light once again. Let us know when they'll begin or when we can begin using the Orange Terrace Community Center. Now, they asked us for our plan and they've given us their requirements. And these, as you know, uh, could really change. What I mean is you see the news, it's constantly changing. But I wanted to give you the guidelines that we plan to implement. Now, this is uh, really a, been a collaborative effort of our team working with uh, consultants on this area of reopening our church and then also based on what the city would require. And so here's the guidelines that we plan to implement when we do reopen. Uh, face masks. During the whole time uh, that you are at the church, uh, inside the buildings, we would require face masks uh, for anyone ages two and up. Uh, outside the building is different, and so uh, churches that are reopening that are using masks, which most that I'm reading about are using masks, uh, people that want the mask off, they'll go outside. And But during the whole time you're, you're at church, the mask would be on. Uh, second is a touchless experience. What I mean by that is from when you drive into the parking lot, when you walk into the building, attend worship, until you leave, we're creating a way for you to really not have to touch anything. Uh, part of this is really asking that you not shake hands or, or hug people. <laughs> that's, that's pretty difficult for some people. But part of this is just also uh, we, we want to allow you to experience all of OCC without needing to um, have physical contact with people. And so we're going to shift away from the from the program to providing sermon notes and anything that you'll need, like connection card through uh, just technology. And so uh, everything will be uh, through your phone. So we're narrowing down uh, building a church app that we can begin using moving forward, and all the information would be on that church app. I think that's going to be a help to our church as well as for sign-ups and just other ways of interacting with our church. Unfortunately, in the beginning, the touchless experience would mean there'd be no coffee, no donuts. doesn't mean you can't have those, but it just means you'd need to bring your own initially. Bring your favorite mug. Show that off. Another thing is no kid zone. Initially, uh, kids will need to be seated with their families. And this is uh, partly in consideration of our uh, kid zone workers. We need to make sure we have enough that are ready, and uh, we don't want to put any of them at risk. And so we're beginning with just kids with their families. And so think of family or household pods. That's how you'll be able to sit in groups based on your household. And that will create, obviously, some more movement in the services. So there'll be little people running around. There'll be a little extra noise. And we're going to be okay with that. And we're going to be really gracious about that. And we've actually had family services before, our family Christmas service. So we've done that. And so we just want to prepare you for that. Another thing is occupancy limits. Uh, to stay under the limit, uh, the guidelines is that houses of worship need to gather in under 100. And so we'll be hosting 100 people in the main ballroom at the Orange Terrace Community Center. And as well, we'll run a separate gathering outside in the courtyard with audio 
We'll start out with audio only for another gathering of up to 100 people. And we'll use an event sign-up, something like Eventbrite, or some way of signing people up to reserve your service time. And that just helps us make sure that we can keep uh, each gathering under that limit. And that is part of us keeping our agreement with the city based on the plan that they want us to operate. And so it's going to be really important uh, that we're communicating this so you can, again, fill out the survey and let us know if you would plan to attend. Another thing is to self-screen at home. Uh, if you have a temp or, or other symptoms in your family, then we just ask that you continue to, to worship at home. And, you know, this is just at a high level. Just wanted you to know some of these things so you can begin considering if you would participate. Now, these restrictions may sound like a major bummer to you. And, and uh, that's, that's understandable. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy, you know, wearing the mask. And so it will be restrictive. And so I'm certainly not saying, hey, that's uh, just no big deal, because I I recognize that these restrictions are going to uh, change the experience that you've had worshiping with us on a Sunday at OCC. Um, And so the home worship service option still may be the best option for some. Um, But I'm sure that even with these restrictions, many of you would begin to regather as we're given the opportunity. And so... Third thing here, this reopening plan really does, I believe, give an option for everyone. So you can worship at home with just your household. Second, you can gather with a small home worship gathering, so a few households together can gather right now. Uh, Third, uh, you can join the large group at Orange Chairs Community Center once we're granted permission to return. So there's really options for everyone. Now, don't be surprised if we don't secure a, uh, a... a date from the Orange Terrace Community Center and from the city until the fall or even beyond that. I'm not saying because I know that. I'm just, as we have seen the news, it just constantly is shifting. And it, that would have sounded ridiculous that we wouldn't be meeting till the fall. That would have sounded ridiculous before when I first had that thought. But with the way the situation continues to stay so dynamic, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if that were the case. Uh, but our hope is that it would be um, sooner. So until we meet again as a large group, I want to encourage you with this fourth thing. We encourage you to, to either join or host a home worship gathering. And I want to clarify some of the guidelines on these. Now that we've had home worship gatherings for a few weeks, uh, first, uh, some things I want to, we're, we're shifting is you don't need to fill out a gathering log. So you don't need to write down the names. We would still like to know the attendance count so we can sort of track um, attendance, but we're not needing you to list the names and log that. Uh, That was for our insurance purposes, and it's not something that uh, we need to continue doing at this time. Second, uh, you might want to consider outside over inside. Uh, Everything is saying that it's better outside when it comes to transmitting uh, this virus. And so if you can host something outside, that's going to be far better. And then third, consider if you have kids, how comfortable are you with your kids interacting with other kids? You might not have no concern, and if that's you, that's, that's really up to you. Uh, There's really no pressure from us for you to rush back, Uh, but we want to encourage you to really pray through these issues. Consider the options that can help restore fellowship uh, to your life uh, on Sundays. And then fourth, if you invite someone, uh, would you clearly communicate your house rules? Be clear. Avoid pressure. Uh, Keep your expectations really low. If people who prefer 
a stricter set of rules than you're living by, then just uh, keep it pressure-free. That, that's not something we want to divide over. In fact, Romans chapter 14 uh, has been very helpful. There's a passage on judging others. It says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. That's Romans chapter 14, verse 10 and verse 12. And so you get this sense even in verse 4, which says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. What you realize right now is that there are so many issues right now for people to be divided over. And we want to protect and preserve the unity of the Spirit here at Orange Crest Community Church. And so I would encourage you to don't pass judgment, to not pass judgment on others who are looking at the situation different, maybe hold stricter rules than you do. Um, and so, but one thing I want to say is if you right now would like to gather with others on Sundays, but you need some help finding a home worship gathering in your area to join, uh, please let us know. Uh, we want to be a help to you. And so let us know if you are a person that wants to host or if you want to join something, we'll do our best to sort of make some of those connections and introductions. Now, one final thing, and it's really good news. Uh, we are finalizing plans for our first gathering back together on a Sunday night at the end of July. And so this is not our normal worship morning gathering. This is a Sunday night gathering. So mark it down, July the 26th at 6.30. We're planning to have an evening gathering. It's called OCC Together, a night of worship and gratitude. And so we're going to be on the lawn at East Hills Community Church, which is a nearby local church uh, here in Orange Crest. And we'll be spaced out, and so we're going to follow their guidelines and the guidelines for gatherings for churches. But we're going to be spaced out, social distancing, so there'll be six-foot sort of pods for everyone. Uh, you'll bring your own chair. Uh, we're going to be required to wear masks. Uh, but, hey, we can do this. We can do this. I know that, again, that's going to be different. Uh, but I've asked people who, whose churches have, reg uh, have regathered and begun worshiping in masks uh, and the word on the street is that that even with a mask, worshiping is worth it to be together. And so it has brought deep encouragement. And so for now, I want to encourage you. Save the date. Uh, we're going to give you more of the details as we can. Uh, but we just want to share with you this is, a great, this is great news for us. And so if you're comfortable for that gathering, July the 26th at 630 East Hills Community Church, I hope you'll join us for that evening event. And Lord willing... It could be the start of something that we continue more regularly doing in this dynamic season. And so I'm grateful for this opportunity. Check your email a little later today. Follow the link to our survey. That'll really help us be ready to resume meeting together again soon, as, as soon as the city allows, allows us to. So uh, let's pray and thank the Lord together. Father, thank you for this time of worship. Uh, thank you for uh, this series we've been in to talk about loving our neighbor. Would you help us to... Uh, make use of, of all that we're learning and help us to continue to love and reach out to those around us. Help us to begin to uh, learn how to turn the corner more in spiritual towards spiritual conversations with people around us. And when you use us, Father, and, and give us the words to say, God, when we're having conversations. And Lord, we just continue to look to you to make a way for us to meet again. Uh, we do pray that you'd speed along the process. We pray that you would... Uh, bring an end to uh, the spreading of this virus, Lord Jesus. And when you give us, uh, keep our hope anchored and rooted in you as we wait. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for uh, this upcoming gathering. We look forward to seeing each other again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.